Welcome back to G220 Radio. This is Ricky Gantz with Mike Miller, and we want to welcome you to the program. This is the first time we have been back in 2023. Uh, we've been off for, I believe, it's been maybe a month and a half, taking some downtime, some much-needed time. Uh, and so we um, – Mike's kind of smiling over here because it's not really downtime, I guess. But we have been taking time away from uh, G220 Radio here and uh, we are back now, and so uh, we're excited to be back, and we're excited to be with you, and we hope you are just as excited to see us as we are to be back here on the program. And so uh, with that being said, Mike, Mike, tell us uh, how you've been, uh, what's been going on with you in this time you've been away. I'm just kidding. You're going to say I was uh, muted, but I wasn't. No, I saw it I go off. Talking. I saw the mute button go off and I was like, okay, he's playing a trick. That's funny. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, it's been an adventure. We went on vacation for a couple weeks, had some good time with my wife's family in Florida, went home to a just flooded house. We had a water filter break. And so... It's kind of, we've been dealing with that now for now a month, trying to get mm. insurance, do insurance stuff, getting people out there. And so, yeah, it's just kind of been going through kind of not only dealing with work, but yeah, kind of just dealing with insurances and trying to figure out. Uh, how this all works. It's the first time I've had to file a claim for home insurance. Mm -hmm. And, but I got a new kitchen out of the deal. So I guess it's worth all the money I'm paying mm -hmm. for them to insure my house. But, um, so yeah, we, so it's been, yeah, busy and that, and just dealing with all those kind of just extra things that you don't plan and, uh, tends to suck up some of your time. Yeah. And, and as we was we was talking before the, the program, we both believe in the sovereignty of God and know mm -hmm. that um, when things happen, it doesn't take God by surprise. And then we look and are trying to maybe understand, OK, what is God showing me in this? Maybe he's teaching me patience. Maybe he's teaching me to trust in him, whatever it may be. And so what are some of the things maybe I know I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but maybe some of the things you and your wife have talked about how God has uh brought you through this so far and is, is working towards getting all of this fixed. Yeah. I mean, obviously having, um, my insurance company that we use, we use a USAA and they've been phenomenal and just dealing with them. Mm -hmm. Um, like there's a lot of stuff I, that they just kind of help with and did um and just that way there's not much i have to do you know every once in a while I send paperwork or something like that they've taken care of quite a bit and then um also the company we're using we we're supposed to use one of the bigger names restoration companies and now we're using someone that's more local um they're part of like a larger i think they're like an independently owned franchise kind of thing that way and he's a Christian. Mm. And so get to use like in one way, get to use a Christian business to like help them 
get to kind of meet. He goes to a church, actually kind of near to our home church. He's, they're not very far away. Um, so yeah, just that. And there's, there's just been some other things where um, God has kind of placed us. And part of it is questions that we may have about the future. And God has kind of put us in a position to really evaluate mm. whether those are feasible options. Um about it and to to really kind of think about kind of taking us out of our normal normacy to kind of force us to maybe think more about some of these these -hmm. things we've thought about but not really fully committed um our times and efforts to yeah i think that's one of the things that um holding to our understanding of reformed theology and and knowing theologically knowing god's in control of everything there still is a reality that happens within our natural, normal lives that when something goes down, like you said, it then forces you to consider things or think about things or things you may have been considering and thinking about, but now you have to put them on the forefront and have a conversation about them and think them through. And, and we, we ultimately, we, we don't see the big picture, but we yet know and trust that God is working all things together for the good of those who love him that are called according to his purposes. Um, <clears throat> and even sometimes when that's hard on us, you know, and so we've been praying for you and your family and, and hope that uh, uh, the Lord will continue to uh, get this process going along for you guys, that you'll be able to get back in and, and whatever decisions you make from that point on some of the decisions you may have to, to consider, you know, the Lord will give you wisdom in that as well. It has been a very um, strange month and a half off. Like you said, you, you were away, but there was still things that needed to be done. And it was still the same on my end with things that need to be done and, and, and sickness. Like the last couple of years have been rough on me physically. And um, just this year, you know, starting off the new year and I'm like, man, I'm already getting under the weather. And I was under the weather for like two mm-hmm. weeks straight. And it's just... It's been kind of rough, but thankfully we've had the downtime so we didn't have to then try to put together a show and get all of this situated. But we are glad and thankful to be back. Uh, We are looking forward to this new year, um, to some shows that we have planned, some things that we will plan further out into the year um, as we continue to go through the year. So we wanted to take this time here tonight um, we didn't really put together a big topic kind of show. We're just saying, hey, welcome back to G220 Radio. We are back in the new year. We're excited to be back. I know I've said that because we are excited to be back. Mm-hmm. My wife was excited to be back. You know, I kept saying, well, maybe we could put it off another week. And she's like, oh, you got to get back on the radio. <clears throat> yeah. Not that I wasn't uh, excited, but just, you know, to get back in the groove of things. Yeah. I was a little, I was a little bummed that we waited another week. I think it's, in some part, I felt kind of the burnout of a weekly show with my schedule, and then having this month and a half off, I was I was ready. I was like, man, I just want to get back. Especially, yeah. I want to get this the show, the one show I'm planning right now. Yeah, actually, actually get something mm-hmm. of a like a good show. So yeah, it's I'm excited to be back on. Yeah. And so that's what we want to do tonight is just kind of a a simple show. Welcome back. Uh, Hope to hear from you. If you'd like to leave a comment in the the chat, please do so. And maybe we'll be able to interact with you since today's more of a little laid back kind of program. We don't have a topic where we want to stay on point 
and uh, make sure we get through it. Even though when it comes to the Proverbs series that we've done in the past, we want to stay on point, And then it's like, yeah, we're not making an hour here, but we're trying, <laughs> you know. So um, speaking of Proverbs series, we still are in Proverbs. We still have that to complete, to wrap up. We will wrap it up this year. I believe so. It should, because uh, when we do get back to the Proverbs series, we're getting into chapter 22. So that being said, we should be able to make it through the year, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, and finish off Proverbs. But who knows? Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get down to the last chapter and it'll be 2024. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll get a show of impassibility in before that time. Maybe. See, there's a running joke here. Mike's been wanting to do a show on the impassibility of God for I don't know how many years now. It's been several uh, years now. It's yeah. been several. And, and so we, are, we have um, some programs, like I said, planned. But if you have an idea... If you have an idea, write down there where it says g220radio at gmail.com. Right there, g220radio at gmail.com. Again, send us an email um, and let us know what you would like to see us cover. Uh, if you have a, a topic, um, maybe someone you'd like to see us interview, uh, maybe we could reach out to that individual and see if we can get that person to come on. Uh, whatever it may be, please reach out to us and let us know uh, what topics you may like to see here on G220 Radio. I'm excited. We've got, like I said, some some programs planned for this first quarter. We were pretty much filled in the shows for the first quarter um, of this year, which is only two months now because uh, we, we were off for all of January except for tonight. And so um, we are going to begin a series on the family. Now, this is something we, we started out when we talked about this originally, Mike, we talked about doing something on parenting. We was going to do mm -hmm. something with parenting. But then as I started to, to look at this a little bit more, I thought, let's make this a little bit of a longer series. Let's deal with the family and we'll deal with, you know, what is the theology of marriage? And that'll be the first one that we tackle. That'll be next week. And so the theology of marriage, then we're going to look at the, the biblical duties of husbands and wives. And we're going to look at um, the problem of sin when it, comes with, when it comes within the family. And then working together with a husband and wife, uh, we have to account for that because we're all sinners. And then you're taking a sinful man and a sinful woman, even though you may be saved by God, saved by his grace, and no longer... Um, enslaved to sin we still have the flesh that remains and so we still have to deal with the problem of sin and then we're going to talk about something that i actually was looking in my notes it's, it's interesting because this is going to be in our series but i was looking in my notes today i take notes sometimes on my phone of possible show ideas and this one was in there and i'm like oh i thought about this before and thought about doing this but divorce and remarriage i think this is something that um i've wanted to do obviously since it was in my notes from a while ago um, in dealing with a show like that, because I've, I've been in independent fundamentalist Baptist churches where if you were a divorced person, you could never become a pastor or elder. You could never be a deacon. Um, matter of fact, in one of the uh, independent fundamentalist Baptist churches that I was a part of, they had mentioned that, well, somebody had mentioned that they were told they weren't even allowed to sing in the choir because they had been divorced before. And so those things are out there. You have, even within the reform camps, 
when I became more reformed, I was a little more open to uh, an understanding of being the husband of one wife, not meaning you've only been married one time, but you're faithful to the one that you're with. And that if dependent upon whether your divorce was before you was a Christian, you know, or the, the circumstances of the divorce, uh, that could allow for one to then be a pastor or be a deacon or to serve in certain areas. And so those kind of topics came up, but then you still even have those within reform views, uh, like a Bakum who takes a permanence view. Uh, and so they're still, they're still there. Those views are there. And I thought this would be a good topic to discuss because let's look at it from a biblical perspective and try to be as biblical as possible. Um, because again, it always seemed like that was this unpardonable sin that you could be saved, but then you could never serve because of that was like the worst thing you could do. You could be a murderer and get saved and come and pastor a church or lead people. But if you were divorced, you're out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's a touchy subject. Yeah. You know, and there's always, I think even like with those subjects, there's always, like you said, circumstances. What's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, is divorce even, you know, how far do you go with is divorce biblical or not? There's some that would say it's not, that it's sin. And then, you know, then you have the other question, what if they remarried? You know, you have a John Piper says, well, if they get remarried, they li they're living in sin. But then that brings up other questions. But what if, like, both get remarried and they both get divorced? And if they get married, like, are they still living in sin? Are they not? Like, how do, like, you just can kind of get fishy. But those are always kind of just sensitive topics yeah that um you know we can agree to disagree i do think there's there's some liberty in our in our the our theology and how we play that but mm -hmm. um you know it is still very yeah yeah it's a tough high one, emotional it's yeah. a, and it's an emotional topic you right. know and that's um especially in a world we live in now where divorce is so prevalent mm-hmm um, for non-biblical reasons, there right. is, you know, to think through these things, um, carefully require, I mean, probably more than just one show, but that's, that's yeah. what we're going to give it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is you mentioned, you know, um, that it is very sensitive. I, I was in a thread where I seen some people who were completely against divorce and remarriage and said, if, if you remarry, then you should get divorced because you're living in sin. And I said in the comments, what if you have children from that now marriage? What do you think that does then to that family? You may be a healthy family. What is, so those are questions that arise. And those are questions uh -huh. we want to look at when we talk about this topic in, um, another month or so. I think we're that's scheduled in March. We're going to hit that divorce and remarriage. But these are questions that arise. And what do you do? <clears throat> you even have those like um, I've seen with MacArthur say that, uh, yes, you can be forgiven. And if you're remarried, they're not saying go divorce, but then you could never be a pastor. You could never be an elder. There, there, There's wisdom in that. But then there's also what were the circumstances? If this person was divorced before they were a Christian, does that play a factor? Or if they were a Christian and their spouse was not a Christian and their spouse abandoned them or uh, committed adultery, 
does that play a factor? How do we then look to try to counsel these things and then try to to be as biblical as we are without um, just deliberately saying, I'm just going to do what I want to do because this is what makes me happy. But there are questions that come up and, you know, we're going to seek to try to answer some of those the best we can. And like Mike said, you know, hey, you may disagree with us or we may even disagree with each other. I don't know. We haven't got to this yet. So um, it's going to be interesting to to talk about those things because I do think it is it's an important topic and um, one that would be dealt with when you're talking about family. Right. And then also from that, we're going to talk about children and, you know, our roles as parents uh, and how we are to teach our children and the responsibilities we have with them. And so, you know, I have a house full of children. Mike's got a couple kids himself. And so, you know, mm-hmm. these are things that we don't always do well. And so we want to look at the scriptures and try to, you know, be the, the most biblical as we can, knowing that at times we do fail but let's look at what the scriptures say about uh, these areas. So that's what we're going to be talking about in the family series. And I'm really looking forward to that family series, hoping to be a a blessing or help to others as they may look at these programs that we put on through this series. Uh, And, and I'm really excited about it. I really am. Um, Man, really, really looking forward to digging in to it, Mike. Yeah, I think it'd be a good one just even to, it's always good to rethink about these things. You know, I may have classes on them and, you know, you hear them quite often in the church, but it's always good to think about it, especially, and I still remember this from my class on, um, family, I think it was family leadership, family ministry and leadership, something like that. And my professor said, the Bible doesn't talk a lot about marriage, but the Bible talks a lot about marriage. And, that sounds contradictory and that was kind of the point, the kind of the shock and awe, but what, what he was saying and what he meant when he explained it was the Bible doesn't have a lot of text about marriage, but marriage is a relationship. And the Bible speaks a lot about relationships mm-hmm. and that's always kind of been stuck in my mind that even when we think about our relationships, we tend to think about, um, like our acquaintances and friends, but maybe not even closer with children and spouses. There's kind of that more internal, maybe external thinking. And so it's always good to be reminded of these things that our spouses should be our close friends, our closest friends. And that then obviously there are special instructions about that, but that is also included with the other instructions of just how we interact with the rest of God's um, image bearers. And the same thing with kids. There are special instructions as an apparent to a kid, but mm-hmm. how I act with them should also reflect how I would act with other image bears, other people, Christian and non-Christians. And so just to, again, it's always good to be reminded of these things. Peter talks about how reminding us of these things are good. We forget. We don't remember. And if we don't, even if we do remember, we don't always do. And it's always good to encourage one another to pursue the holiness and the callings that God has given to us as Christians. Yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, I do believe uh, personally that uh, when I begin to uh, go through this series myself, that I'm sure I'm going to be convicted of some of my own behavior because uh, I do have older teenagers, and sometimes uh, they can get, and I'm saying this in a in a loving way, get under my skin with a teenage attitude and things, and sometimes I don't respond the way I should. And my wife makes sure I know that not, not in a mean way, but she lets me know, like, it's not really a Christ-like way to respond to that, you know? And so I, I know as we dig into to this family series that even myself, uh, I'm going to be challenged by uh, what the scriptures say and how I should model Christ before my unbelieving children. Um, even when they are uh, pushing those buttons, my response to them should not be, it shouldn't be caused by those buttons being pushed. I should still respond in a Christ-like manner. And so sometimes we do fail in that. I'm, I acknowledge that. I'm aware of that. Uh, but that should not be the pattern in a person's life. And so those things can be challenging to us. And I hope they will be to myself and to the rest of those who, who tune into that program uh, when we do the family series. Uh, we mentioned... So no, go ahead. So you're saying you're passable? I'm passable. <laughs> yeah, I'm not God. <laughs> so um, then from there, we do have the Proverbs series, as we've already mentioned. We want to try to continue to work towards finishing that, that series out. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've had some guests on for the programs. Maybe we'll try to bring on some guests when we do the Proverbs series again, uh, or it may just be Mike and, and myself. Uh, depending on whether we can get someone for that that day uh, and that time. Uh, but we use that. I think what we, we tried to talk about and, and use in the past was a way to bring on a brother, a friend of ours, somebody who uh, we know, a mutual acquaintance uh, or an acquaintance, someone we know through uh, social media, which is where, honestly, I've met and um, utilized a lot. Well, I shouldn't say utilized. I don't think that's the right word. I've met and been able to have a lot of people that I've, I've connected with on social media be on G220 radio. Uh, and so we, we like to try to do that to, to have a brother come on to kind of sit down and go through it verse by verse and talk about it. And I think that's been a very good series that we've done, even when it's just been you and, and myself to, alone. But it's always fun when we're able to bring on another person to kind of help in that discussion, maybe bring something up we weren't thinking about, or maybe we bring something up they weren't thinking about. And it just is, has been, I think, a, a beautiful series. And I think it's been beneficial and I hope it's been beneficial to, to those who are watching it as well. Yeah. That's, it's always good, especially on like, we're, a lot of people are told to read a proverb. You know, we've mentioned it, read proverb a day. There's wisdom there, but to sit and to think through these truths a little bit deeper, take a little bit more time. It's always, I mean, it's God's word. And so he's shaping it. He's using it to, to shape us and to bring us wise in his world. And so, yeah, no, I'm always, always a good time. And it's always, it's, it's kind of fun to kind of like read through and find the connections to not just read them as individual proverbs, but to see them kind of fit and flow together. And 
it's almost like a puzzle. And even the commentators don't always agree, which is always then fun. Like, which one do I agree with? Yeah. You know, what are they saying? Um, I like I pin them against each other. It's kind of a little fun. But in, in one sense, and I say this, that's how I study for it. I read the text. I try to do it myself as much as I can and to think about it. And then I go to the commentaries. And then I look at it. It's like, okay, what are they saying? Oh, I see this. I'm not really seeing that. Where, where, you know, where are you getting this? Oh, you don't explain it. Well, that's unfortunate. You know, or something like that. Or go to a different one. I was like, oh, that's a really good metaphor. I really like that idea. And now you have kind of commentators become a conversation that you can listen to and gain, glean and then test because that's what we're told to do. We're told to test them. And, and again, yeah, just that fun. And then, you know, in, in one sense demonstrating hopefully how to read these proverbs, which will be beneficial and just everyone else's own study as they, as they look through this. I think about these things probably a little bit way too much. Like even in Sunday school, I think about how, not only I want to teach about the passage, I want to teach it correctly, but I want to demonstrate how to do it correctly. And I've really tried to, in teaching, when I have opportunities teaching, whether it's podcast or Sunday school, really use these opportunities because I think and maybe we could just do an entire show on this, that with the decline of expository and doctrinal preaching, there is a relationship with that in the decline of the knowledge of the Bible. I think there's other issues with it, but if people, if our pulpits teach topically with bad exegesis, with bad exegesis we're going to read the Bible topically with bad exegesis. And so obviously a good expository preacher will help you to read the Bible better. And I think a Proverbs allows us to, to be once to, to help add our voice to those conversation. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's vitally important. I don't think that when we say expository preacher, that if you go to a church that is preaching topically, that they don't, that they necessarily means they don't exposit the scripture because you uh-huh. can preach a topic and take that text that you're, you're pulling from and exposit it. Right. Um, so long as you're not then taking it away from the rest of that context and trying to make it say something completely opposite, but you could still do expository preaching based upon a topic. Um, but what we generally, generally see with topical style preaching today is is more so in line with the churches that are more seeker sensitive and they will take a passage and then never really deal with what the text is saying they just go off and they're making up a message that's like what are you talking about how does that yeah even go with the text that you're 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 speaking of that being said this happened to me on uh last week I went to a revival. Okay. I went to a revival. There's a local church that was putting on a revival. And I've only been to one other revival in my life. And that was when I was not a Christian and I was stationed at Fort Lewis. 
when I first got into the military, I went to Fort Lewis as my first duty station. I was in the in-processing housing unit before I would go to my unit. I was doing all the in-processing thing. That day was over. I came outside and there was a guy standing out there. I come to find out later this guy was waiting for new people. And he said, hey, would you like to go to a revival today? And I grew up in church, even though I wasn't a Christian. And I said, sure, I don't know anybody. This guy wants to take me to a revival. I'll go. You think back on these things and you think, I didn't know this person. That was probably stupid, you know, but because he took me, I didn't have a car or nothing. Could have been a psycho killer or something. But, um, but I went and I went two days and, and I was like, this is a little strange. It was more Pentecostal for me. I grew up in a, in a Baptist kind of church. And so I was a little, you know, off. Um, and then when I got to my unit, people were saying, stay away from them. They're a cult over there. And there was some strange things going on. But that was the only revival I'd ever been to in my life. But there's all these churches that put on these revivals. So I thought, I'm going to go. I told my wife I'm going to this revival because uh, she had taken, taken the kids to a WANA program that night. I said, I'm going to go over to this church for this revival. And she's like, oh, she's like, this is what she said. She said, you would think you're going to get arrested for street preaching, but you're probably going to get arrested at this church <laughs> at their revival. And I said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going in there to, to cause any, any issues. I wasn't, I wasn't going there to cause issues. I had, I had listened to, I had listened to a series that they did on Calvinism. And it was a lot of misrepresentation and a lot of things that was just wrong from what we believe as Calvinists. However, like I told my wife, they did not deny original sin and they did not believe in open theism. So even though they, and they were King James only staunchly, even though they, there's areas where I would disagree with them, I can't say they're not preaching the gospel and they're not brothers. I can't outright say that. Now, there may be something that you find out later, but from listening to that, it did not come across that. So I wasn't going there for that. I just I wanted to go see the, 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 the revival. And there was, well, there was, if I'm being honest, a preacher who was there from out of town, uh, Andrew Sluter who is a heretic, who does deny who does deny original sin. And so I wanted to go and listen to this guy. I didn't talk to him. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't there to cause trouble or anything. I just went and sat down. I walked in. I never met the pastor of that church in my life. And he comes back to me and he's like, Hey, I'm pastor so-and-so. And I said, uh, hi, I'm Ricky. And he said, Ricky Gantz. He knew who I was. <laughs> it was, I was like, Oh man. <laughs> Is that good or bad? Is it good or bad? Um, But I sat down and I listened. And this Andrew Sluter opened up the text. He went to um, a passage and dealt with the mystery and uh, said there are seven mysteries in the Bible. Most Baptist preachers don't know about these mysteries. They're different mysteries and and, uh, don't know what they are. And then um, he went on and he started with that, but nothing he said dealt with the passage that he read. He just starts Uh with it's a mystery. And then I told my wife, I said, there was a lot of hooting and hollering and getting loud and people were getting emotional, but it had nothing to do with the text. So again, as we're talking about this expository preaching, and he, he literally said, I preach expository in my church verse by verse. And I'm thinking, you're not even dealing with the text that you brought out, right? And so... Um, I'm just like, it is vitally important for an individual who is preaching God's word or teaching God's word to do your best. There's going to be times where maybe we're, we're incorrect or maybe we're, 
we're reading something wrongly. And then later we learn and like, oh man, I was getting that wrong. And then you, you know, correct it. Mm -hmm. But you don't just use a text and catch a few phrases in there and then try to make that a message, but it has nothing to do with the context of the passage that you're reading. And so that's just a little story um, that that was an exciting time. Um, so, but I will tell you, I told my wife and I even told the pastor afterwards because I didn't, I didn't get into it with anybody. I didn't say anything about, you know, my run in with Sluter before, but uh, the singing was beautiful, man. Like they were singing the whole, like the, all the people that was there singing out of their hymn book and they were singing. And I, I'm like, it was, it was beautiful listening to the singing. Um, and then even they had a family there, the guy who preached secondly or second, um, which is another thing that I want to talk about in a minute, but he had his family there and they sang and it was beautiful together. Like they were really just, it just like flooded that entire sanctuary. You know, right. And so I was just like, man, it was it was beautiful singing. Um, and that that I did take away and was like, I was blessed by the singing, you know, even though the, the the message was not good. The second preacher, his message was more in line with the scripture that he was preaching. Right. There were some things that he said that I didn't agree with, which I'll get to in a minute. But that other than yeah. that, I thought, well, at least he stayed in the text. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just. Obviously, I probably mention it more on the show than than I, I care to admit to. But I just think the more I've learned about preaching, the more I think about it, the more I read on the catechism and what they do and try to understand that better, the Baptist catechism, it just makes sense of what – like there's like this kind of dual purpose in – and how we're doing it. And I, I think maybe if it was more explicitly said, it would, I don't know if it would change much, but if, and I, I try this as a listener, because if I'm thinking about these things, how is this preacher doing it? So he's going, cause we just heard an excellent sermon this past Sunday night on the Pharisee, and the tax collector, the famous, the Pharisee. I'm not like this tax collector. I'm not a thief, not a murderer. I tithe, I fast. You know, he's exalting himself. And this preacher was magnificent and just going into the depths of the doctrine of justification as this Pharisee justifies himself before God. And then you have this tax collector who can't look towards the heavens, realizes he has sinned, and that he's the one who was justified from his sin. And just kind of, you know, using that to show kind of in some of the topics we have talked about and how do you go from Bible reading to theology and how these work together and now seeing that done in in practice in the church um it was just a really phenomenal sermon um that was preached um we were going to try 
to make it we didn't so we watched it online but it was still just a like just even impactful and i'm one that we should be in the lucky church we would rather have been there instead of watching it online mm-hmm. um but it was still an amazing um a sermon to think about and just even to process in that way yeah yeah absolutely the the other thing that um was brought up by that second preacher uh, and like I said, I, I actually enjoyed his message better than than the first one uh, because it was in the text. While there was some things he said that I disagree with, and the one thing he said, and and this is a show that I would like to do a top, like I would like to do a show on this topic. Um, and I know we've talked about it in the past, but I'd like to do a show where it is the focus of the program. But Lordship Salvation, because mm-hmm. there's so many, and and two shows from this one dealing with Lordship Salvation. The other um, honest disagreement in when you don't agree with a position or something that is taught, representing in it, representing it honestly, fairly, properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something I've learned over the years, uh, even listening to you, Mike, when we, we talk about you know reading the other side of things or getting the other argument, because when we again it's not that we're going to know everything about a position that maybe isn't our position but if we're going to interact with it even if even if you don't know everything about somebody's position if if i come up to you and i tell you i'm a calvinist and you tell me you're not a calvinist and then you start telling me things about what calvinists believe and i say no i don't believe that but yet you keep throwing these things that i keep saying i don't believe at me you're not really listening and being honest with the disagreement Mm -hmm. um and so I think from that, the Lordship Salvation being a show that I would like to do at some point in the year, second quarter, third quarter, whenever, sometime in, within the year, because the thing he said when he got up there is he said, I'm against this Lordship Salvation. He said, now you might hear that and think that I'm, I'm saying Jesus isn't Lord. He said, that's not what I'm saying. He's Lord over everything. And he was saying these things, and I'm like, amen, he is. He's Lord over that. He's Lord over the heavens and earth. He's Lord over all things. But then the way that he represented Lordship Salvation, he said, this lordship people that teach this lordship salvation that you know if you sin if you sin then jesus is not lord of your life and i'm like that's not lordship salvation uh-huh. that's i don't know anybody who would espouse lordship salvation it's not a term i use being reformed it's not it's not a term i i i hear it i know what people mean by it it's not something i use you know um when I'm teaching or talking about, unless I'm trying to explain what it is uh, and maybe some controversy, but it's this dealing with from MacArthur uh, kind of, there's other people that are proponents of it, but MacArthur basically was writing the gospel according to, to Jesus as a response to this free grace kind of teaching that basically Mm -hmm. Charles Stanley and some others would say, you could, you could walk away from the faith completely you could go be a Muslim or become an atheist. But if you said that prayer, if you asked Jesus into your heart, you're saved. And so this was a response to that. And I think it just kind of, again, solidified the, for me, the importance of honest disagreement. Like if if you're Mm -hmm. not, and that's the show topic I would like to do one on as well at some point is, is honest disagreement. Like if you don't agree with someone, do your best, either read those sources you know, James White, love him or hate him. Uh, some people love him. Some people hate him. Right. So but one of the things I, I will say that I've uh, seen from James White over the years 
is he will read the sources on the person he's going to debate to understand their position so that when he goes into debate, it's a better debate because now I'm arguing against what you actually are arguing for and giving yeah. you my side so that when we go to this debate, it's not like, cause see, honestly, sometimes when we have our shows, which we've had a few in the past, I just did a, a conversation on G220 ministries. You can find it where I had a conversation with a guy who was a Calvinist. He commented on one of my YouTube videos and we talked and I am not a debater. I like to have conversations. I don't know you, so I'm trying to get to know you. So I kind of leave it open. But when you're having those conversations uh, like James White with these debates, they want to know the other side's arguments so they can interact with those arguments. So then it's more beneficial to the individuals that are listening to that debate. And so mm-hmm. I think there's probably place for both because I do do that. You know what I'm saying? Like I leave it open and just try to learn where somebody's coming from. But even in that, I want to listen to what they're saying and respond to what they're saying, not respond to what I think they believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh it's a discipline that has to be grown. Um, I'm still not perfect at it. I know I try to be, but yeah, just kind of be, and my professors at Southern very much push this in our kind of our position papers is, and I've heard it elsewhere, but this idea that could you write the other position and them agree with it. Maybe not on nuances, but they could say, yeah, that reflects my position fairly well. And that's hard because it requires you to study and mm-hmm. to know and and to think about these things. And so in, in one sense, kind of in those conversations where they, they start assuming you believe all these things is that they don't know but i think also kind of with it is and why this is probably a really good show is that when you do that you care kind of like trying to win the position but you don't really care about the person Mm. you're not really listening to them right and that in dialogues and debates to to show you care you listen and you listen well and I know this is important in just street of and evangelism when you're talking to people and trying to kind of get to know them a little bit that you can speak truth in the to their lives in this, this short little time frame, whatever, you know, five minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you have with them and the ability to listen and to address, um, is helpful because there's that caring aspect with it. If you do it with gentleness and with self-control and they get angry with you, they get angry with the truth and not because of you. And you can walk away and say, I've, I've done my job, mm-hmm. let the spirit do the work. And so there's just that benefit of trying to listen to the other side and get to know the other side, because that's showing care for the person that you care about the person and not necessarily trying to win the argument. And that's, I mean, it's difficult to do. Yeah. And it takes, takes times and studies and, um, you know, that's, yeah, a whole show can be dedicated and just kind of that practical aspect, not only the theological 
underpinnings, but just how does that work out practically in all of our lives, including, you know, our spouses. So even then, even that, you know, plays into, you know, even our family series that we'll be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, and it can be difficult. I know, um, I think evangelism, as you mentioned, has helped me to, to grow in that area. But then there are also those times where I've fallen very, very short, uh, where I've failed because I've allowed Hebrew Israelites to get under my skin to the point where I want to win the argument with them rather than my con- care and concern for their... I'm ultimately care and I do c- am concerned for their souls. But I would al- I've allowed myself in the past to get uh, irritated to the point where I'm going to show them. You know what I mean? And then you really stop, like you said, you stop listening to what they're saying and you start then doing what I'm saying, you know, we need to grow and not do is rather than having an honest disagreement, you're just trying to tell what, what you think you're hearing, what you think you know about their position. And rather than dealing with, let's deal with what you're actually saying. And um, I think another area of series that I would like to do is I've done some in the past on G220 Radio, but it's another series at some point on eschatology and go through these differences. Because one of the things, and speaking about that honest disagreement, I think to us, people would say, well, you're not representing dispensationalism properly, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's not what we believe is dispensationalist. Well, classical dispensationalists would disagree with that. They are dispensationalists. Everybody else is progressing away from it. You know what I mean? To some degree, they're progressing closer to covenant theology, right? And so, but that is one of those charges. Well, you're not listening to what we believe. That's not what we believe. But no, if we read the Schofield Bible, reference Bible, that's what it says. And, you know, I was taught the seven dispensations, right? And so there are nuances where people have differences. But even in that, that's one of those things that... You know, uh, you want to be able to listen to that individual that you're talking to, to, excuse me. But that being said, I think that would be another uh, series that I would love to do, one on eschatology, to the point of maybe doing a series where we talk about the the different, whether you're preterist, idealist, historicist, and futurist uh, uh, aspect of it, then dealing with the, th- the different types of millennial views, uh, and dealing with then covenant theology when it comes to eschatology, as opposed to dispensational theology, when it comes to eschatology. Um, <clears throat> and then even from, from that, maybe looking at some of the texts that make amillennialism strong or make postmillennialism strong or make uh, the premillennial view strong, right? Uh, dispensationalism is not strong. but <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> disingenuous because i was joking that was a joke you know it was yeah. a joke but but looking at those texts i thought it was funny it was it was a good one um but looking at those those texts that they have strong arguments but then looking at the weaknesses of amillennialism of postmillennialism of uh premillennialism or dispensationalism because i think if we do something like that i think it can be beneficial hey here's the strong points from this view Here's passages that seem very, very solid for this position. But here's the weaknesses for this position. Because then I think what we're, we're, we would uh, be attempting to do is to be honest 
with that and say, hey, look, uh, here's some struggles that this position has to they have to answer for. And sometimes they don't have the answers for it. And so therefore, you know, doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means there's mm-hmm. some challenging uh, aspects, you know, of that uh, position. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't know how much help I am. Out of all my theology, eschatology has not been one I've really thought through more thoroughly. Um, obviously, I guess if we do shows on this, um, I would have to. I mean, I can tell you the difference in all of them. I can explain them all. But I even have my own view. Um, or what I believe. I guess it's not really my own view. Um, I'm within Orthodox Christianity on it. But it's just not one I've studied a lot. Um, admittedly so. But it just hasn't... I don't know, I just haven't desired, I guess, to be the one way um, to study it fully mm-hmm. um, when you get to some of these ideas of being a preterist or, you know, historic pre-mill or dispensational pre-mill or, or all mill or, or, or post-mill and how all of those work together, um, you know, especially. But, I mean, as you are mentioning what you have, what you hold in dispensational or covenant theology really determines more dispensational, less covenant theology, what you're going to hold on the end times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've yet to meet a all millennial dispensationalist or even a post millennial dispensationalist. Um, and I think there's very valid reasons for that. And just then there are hermeneutical method, but yeah, that's always, I guess I said I don't desire it. I realize I need to study it more. It is an area lacking in my systematic understanding um, as like a full way. Um, I just find other things to study instead. Yeah. No, I get that. I I really didn't study out um, end times for a while. My grandma was always fascinated by the end time stuff. Of course, she was following the people on TBN at the time, you know, and yeah. Perry Stone and whoever had something, you know, like order this new book on what's going to happen, you know, and and um, 23 and so reasons was, why Christ is going to come in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Right. And and um, so that being said, I never really found an interest in it until I was sitting in um, the independent fundamentalist church that I was a part of. And the pastor started mentioning uh, and I knew about the left behind stuff. I had seen movies with Kirk Cameron years and years ago. So I just assumed I didn't really study it, but I just assumed that was the position of end time. Um, but I didn't really, I didn't really, I can't say I had a solid position myself. Cause I just, I saw, I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I just, but um, the pastor was saying, you know, can you believe that sister church down the road, they're mid tribbers. Like they might not even be saved. And I was like, huh? So there are sister church and they may not be saved because they believe in a mid tribulation. And so that got me looking at it. And from yeah. that point I realized this dispensationalism stuff that they're talking about, I'm not that. And yeah. that I went in I just I want to say naturally through the reading of the scripture and trying to study it out, uh, was like this is covenant theology and then the millennial position went to amillennialism for so long. And now I would say I'm, I'm post millennial, but 
I mean, it just, mm. yeah, no, uh, but it's, it's just, it's been a progression. I mean, I held to that all millennial position for a very, very long time. Um, and, uh, but I, I believe it's one of those two. It's all millennial or post millennial are the most logical with scripture. But again, they have their, their weak spots as well. And premillennial mm-hmm. has their arguments for their, their strong points. And so, but I think that it, it is it was was good for me to then get in and study it out. But it was because of that reason I had then to look into it. Um, but other than that, you know, it wasn't an interest to me because I'm like, that's all they talk about on on that Christian, you know, television. It doesn't just didn't interest me at the time. But but yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, and kind of related. I think one of the reasons why I really haven't studied it too much was because I was into that dispensational premillennial looking for the signs, reading the newspaper, watching the 10 nations of the EU coming together and the rise of the uh, new Roman empire and the coming to the age. And, and, and I think some of that is just my own kind of reaction against it. I know it's important, Mm-hmm. But then just part of it is uh, there was that when I was young and dumb and thought end times was everything. And now I'm not young and dumb and maybe just still, I mean, I'm probably still dumb, but in some things, but kind of just that growing, you know, the cloak just having that being more mature and in my walk and what's important, what's not important. Um, and to think about. Yeah. All right. So we got about five minutes left in the program, Mike, and, uh, we've talked about some shows upcoming. Uh, we will do another why Calvinism is bad. Part two. Um, we had Mm -hmm. a individual on, uh, at the end of last year and we had this program. We're going to have a part two of that coming up on the 28th of, of, uh, February. But Mike, you've got a show that we're going to do, do, and it's it's renewal the renewal of theology after the fall. It's a show you've been working on to, to put together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the topics that we want to cover here in the new year. Why don't you go ahead and spend this last minute of time that we have um, talking about what what that's going to be about? Yeah, so this is kind of coming after kind of me thinking more deeply about what is theology. I've done a show. We've talked about how to move from exegesis to systematic theology years ago. I revisited kind of recently for um, a Sunday school lesson and just kind of thought more and kind of rereading some of the sources, just thought, try to think more clearly about what is theology and understanding it. And kind of, kind of next is, understanding the context in which we do theology. So um, the name I've taken it from is from book two of John Owen's biblical theology, where he kind of discusses how did kind of theology change after the fall? Cause you have Adam, he knows God. I think rightly so Calvin says this, I think it's valid to, to, to understand that Adam could look around nature and know 
who God is. Now, he can't know God fully, but he can know God kind of in what Paul says the the natural creation tells us about God, his power, his wisdom, his judgment. And I guess he wouldn't have judgment um, before the fall. But you kind of get the idea that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the the creation speaks of God. But then along with it, because nature was never sufficient to completely know God, is now God talking with Adam face to face in special revelation. And that's how Adam gets to know not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So then the question is, what happens after the fall? Because that's the context we live in. And even more so, we just don't live in any context after the fall. We live in between the coming of the Messiah in which he comes to save the world and when he comes again to judge the world in these last days. And then just so to, I guess, think about how do we understand, how do we do theology within this context and thinking about really how do we interact with the special revelation that we get from God and kind of more of our sinfulness with it and how does that affect us and so we'll kind of talk a little bit about that but even like i was kind of working on a little bit of it today where um you know we kind of doing theology in a new norm and but also that we do theology humbly and in fellowship and what does that mean and and kind of thinking through some of those issues and then kind of mainly and this is where owen really is helpful is what are the theological issues that we now must think through in this theology of the new in this new era in this new age in this fallen age and just kind of really Again, diving down more about what is theology, understanding its importance, and then how, how do we do it? Because that is how we get to know God. And this kind of my own, I don't know, in one sense, starting at the beginning of my own systematic journey, starting mm. with what is theology, really diving in to think about it, and then possibly moving into, you know, and then how does this then shape my understanding of the Bible? And how does that understand my shape of how do I know God as creator? How do I know God as savior in the sun? How do I know God as he presents himself, um, as the works present themselves from the spirits, dealing with the church, dealing with salvation, and kind of thinking through, in one sense, the basic how do we know type ideas. And so... It's a show I've been um, – Calvin has sparked some of this and just the times I've read the first four, five, six chapters in Calvin's Institutes. I know, Ricky, I sent you a recommendation of the book, which is kind of what prop, prompt this one called Faithful Theology by Graham Gold. Cole. It's a short 200 book. 
this is not the book. It's the closest one I have to it. It's another one in the same series. Um, this is the attributes of God, um, by Jill Bray, but you, like you can see thick wise, it's not very thick. It's the short stories and systematic theology. Um, unfortunately the book I want is just out of reach. Um, but just, yeah, just thinking more, being more intentional and thinking about the importance of theology and, and, and of itself, and then kind of setting up that foundation to have a better systemized thought process of theology. Yeah. That was probably way more than what you were asking for. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. It gives us something to look forward to. And, and when we're having that program, um, <clears throat> again, as we, we plan these out, uh, we hope that these programs that we put together um, are beneficial to you, are a blessing to you and encouragement to you. Um, because they are as well challenging to us because we have to look at these topics that we are going to put forth. And, and in this year, uh, hopefully our goal uh, and desire is to be more intentional uh, about planning these things out and, and, and really doing our best to give you um, some good uh, quality, um, informative, uh, biblical truth. And uh, not that we haven't done that in the past, but uh, wanting to really hone in on some of those things and get better at uh, our own theological positions to where we are then uh, helping to teach those who, who do listen and tune in uh, to the program. And so that's what we've got on the agenda coming up. Uh, welcome back to G220 Radio because we are back now and looking forward to being back. This was episode number 561, and uh, we've got quite a few episodes to go this year, and so uh, mm -hmm. we hope you will join us every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us right there at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, it's g220radio at gmail.com, and uh, <clears throat> we would love to hear your feedback. Mike, last words before we close it out. Yeah. I mean, we stream on YouTube, so if you're watching this on YouTube, you can just leave a comment too. Give us show ideas. We're always, always looking, always thinking about. Um, I usually have a lot of terrible ones, so which is why I don't have a lot of shows that I actually plan. Ricky does a lot of them, but if you can help me out by putting show topics in the comments, that would be greatly appreciated on my end. All right, God bless, and we will see you next week.